Welcome to Pocketful of Grace, a weekly podcast of Grace Lutheran Church here in State College, Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Carolyn Hetrick, and this week I'm pleased to welcome members of our Grace Helping Hands team, a group of people with tools who really know how to use them, who have traveled to work on disaster response locations as well as caring for Camp Sequinota, our Lutheran camp here in the Allegheny Synod. While they're getting settled in, just a reminder that over these weeks we are looking at the seven fruits of the Spirit spoken of in Galatians 5, 22-23, and using them to connect our faith as it is lived out. Each week our guests join to explore one of these things that are God's way for us and how faith and life grow for them. We are all different, but in the end we can all bear fruit. And in our lives we're trying to figure out how we make our way, when we are all different, yet in some way all the same. Scripture tells us that because we are given the Holy Spirit in our baptism, we all bear, or perhaps even become, fruit. So we'll explore one of these ways today in bearing fruit. And today that fruit of the Spirit is the fruit of patience. Or as Eugene Peterson would translate it in the Message Bible, willingness to stick with things. Today we're joined by Allison Hoig, team leader, and Don Coyne, team member and king of the trivia contest. Before we dig into a little bit more about helping hands, how it is a way of living out your faith. Allison, can you read the passage from Galatians for us, please? Sure. But what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. He develops a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. Thank you. So, Allison and Don, perhaps you can give us a little bit of grounding in case folks don't know about the history of Helping Hands and what the group has most recently been up to. Well, approximately nine years ago, we organized a group of church members with varying ages and skills to try to assist homes that were damaged due to Hurricane Sandy on the East Coast in New Jersey. Uh, The team that we linked up with was out of the St. Bernard Project, which was also a repair team that was initiated as a result of Hurricane Katrina out of New Orleans and the St. Bernard Parish. They subsequently coordinated with AmeriCorps to get support from young people to do more community service and to help organize trips into the New Jersey areas that were heavily damaged by the hurricanes. So we've made approximately five trips to the New Jersey area over the years helping with all kinds of construction and repair work in homes that were damaged and bringing them up to the new code standards as a result of the hurricane damage and also began looking at more local trips that were less expensive for us in the church and have done a lot of work at our Lutheran camp, Camp Sequinota, helping them out with repairing cabins that have kind of aged over the years of wear and tear and overly loved uh, to landscaping issues that they have due to weather and just wear. And so 
we have had team members come and go and it's it's been kind of exciting to just get together as a group and not only experience what we've been blessed as far as skills but to to create more of a a sense of wholeness and feeling amongst us mm-hmm. to use our skills and and what we've been blessed with to help others yeah I've had the uh, the blessing and the opportunity to be with you for little parts of a couple of the Helping Hands uh, adventures, as I would call them. And the thing I always like is that Camp Sequinota, when we've gone there, they give us a whiteboard full of projects. And through the week, the goal is to make everything on the whiteboard get done. And when you first see the board and all the things that are on it, it's a little daunting. One of the things that I'm always really uh, amazed by is the energy and the um, commitment to leap into the projects, whether you're somebody who knows how to operate a backhoe or someone who needs help figuring out which end of the paintbrush is up, that there's always something for someone to do and that people find ways to work together and find creative solutions when what we thought we were going to do doesn't work out. (laughs) And so... Each time the crew has come together, you know, as you mentioned, Donna, it's got different people or different projects. And one of the reasons that I asked you both to be here for this particular passage in Galatians is that Paul is writing to a community that has to figure out how to work together. And with different people cycling in and out and different projects asking more, different gifts and different backgrounds, A Helping Hands crew is not all that different than the church in Galatians that Paul is writing to, and not all that different from a lot of other parts of our lives. In fact, really all of our lives, we're constantly interfacing with different projects and different people. And for Helping Hands in particular, part of the willingness to stick with things, as Peterson said, is to stick with what a project asks and to stick with each other. We're not all super talented with tools. So What do you think makes it all hold together when you guys are making a trip? I think one of the big things that helps us hold everything together is the team's commitment overall to helping wherever they need to work that day. Whether it's scraping a gate that takes four to five days to complete and actually repaint that gate, or whether it's painting the underside of the porches that are on the different cabins or working out in the rain, uh, pulling stumps and logs off of hillsides, anything that we ask the team to do, they're willing to jump in right away and actually work on those projects and get that that task done for the day. So definitely all of the, the team members, when they come together, they're committed to the task at hand. And whatever they're assigned to do, they go out and actually complete that task. Whether it takes them a couple hours or a couple days, they're committed to completing that task. They also seem to have good rain gear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it always rains at Sequinota. But, but what you've just lifted up there, uh, I think is really important for us to take and sort of expand out for a second if we can. You know, I could probably say, I'm going to make a five-day trip with a bunch of people, and I'm going to make it work. And I'm going to put my whole self in, and I'm going to be a team player, and I'm going to roll with the punches, so to speak. The challenge, I think, is that when it's not a defined project that has a beginning, middle, and an end, the rest of life is really the same thing. But it takes a lot more to do that 
all the time. And uh, I'm wondering if how you've been involved with Helping Hands for the two of you, has that helped you when you come back into the rest of the real world to remember those things that, that you guys have both been talking about, about camaraderie and teamwork and patience and sticking with things? Well, I think from my standpoint, what I've been able to do is learn how to help others overcome not so much fears, but doubts about whether they can be successful in accomplishing something. Mm -hmm. And we do that together as part of this team because just as Allison also does hands-on work, she also has to pair us or team us together on projects for continuity, for safety, for skill, for patience. Uh, some, some of us uh, like to work like a bull in a china shop and others have a slower pace, which is a good checks and balances. But overall, everybody has a chance to do something. And if they don't leave with a few aha moments that, wow, I didn't know I could do this, that benefits them, but they also leave with the sense that they are helping somebody else who's less fortunate. And when you bring those two things together, I think it's more inclusive and it helps helps you understand that there's always someone who has it less uh, beneficial than you in this world uh, and how blessed we are that uh, while we're not living in mansions and driving limousines, we still have plenty to offer to others. And the camaraderie is what brings us together as well as our off hours uh, relaxation so to speak. And I think it helps everybody to understand that as a group, we can accomplish more than what we can individually. And it's usually more fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, the work of affirming gifts starts with first identifying, you know, here's what I think this person might be able to do. And some of the most uplifting conversations I think come when you say to another person, I see this gift in you that maybe they don't see in themselves, or I see the potential for this in you, potential that maybe they don't see in themselves. And, and if we don't think that we have the capacity to do something, and yet we have to do it anyway, we tend to get frustrated really easily because we're convinced that it's going to be a hassle or a problem or we're not going to be able to do it, and all of our fears and anxieties show up. It takes patience to affirm giftedness in someone else. It's not simply just saying, you know, boy," and walking away. It's more relational than that. So I think you've lifted up a really interesting piece of this about part of sticking with something is sticking with the time that it takes for something to emerge and develop, whether it's in ourselves or in someone else. And that that is as valuable as what we are then doing for someone else that's very tangible. You have a new roof is a very tangible thing. But everyone comes away from these projects in some way having been built up. That's sort of the sense that I'm getting. And that actually happened this past trip when we went to Sequinota in the spring. Uh, we had a new team member that really enjoys going to Sequinota, and she was concerned, what can I bring to the team? What can I actually 
do to help out throughout the week? Uh, what projects are there going to be that I can physically do? And I talked to her a couple times and said, hey, we're not going to ask you to get on the backhoe or crawl up on the side of the mountain and remove logs. If there's painting that you can do, if you're not sure on something, we help each other out. There's no time uh, at, a at any point throughout the trip that if you have a question that we're going to say, no, we can't help you out. Uh, we are, a, again, helping hands. We're going to help not only the, the organization that we're helping out, but we're going to help each other out throughout the entire week. If someone is struggling with a task uh, that they're trying to complete, we're going to send extra manpower to help them out and get the task completed. We're not going to leave them kind of on, on a boat on their own, uh, <laughs> struggling to complete something that they, it may be a task that's over their head. And, you know, sometimes there have been tasks, both in, in my working with you all and, and in previous disaster work that I've done, sometimes there are tasks that just seem like they're never going to end and the progress that you make is so incremental that you just almost can't see it at all. Um, if that's mucking out something, mucking out work is just soul sucking, literally. But that's a different kind of sticking with something is when we're in a group, even when we're doing a task that feels like it is endless and tedious and the progress we're making is not great. Like clearing brush can sometimes feel like that. It just feels like we're never really going to get done. But when we're doing something together, even if we acknowledge, you know, we really wish we weren't doing this and we really wish it was already done, it kind of sucks. <laughs> At least we're, we're doing that together. There was a movie years ago called Keeping the Faith, which is the story of these two childhood friends and one becomes a rabbi and one becomes a priest. And, and the rabbi is working with uh, this teenage boy who's getting ready to do his bar mitzvah and you have to chant a lot of music. That's how the service goes. And he said, I know. It is the ultimate cruel joke that we ask you to sing just as your voice is changing. <laughs> and you never know when you open your mouth what's going to come out. And he says, I want you to embrace the suck. <laughs> just embrace the fact that this is not your thing that you want to do. And it'll be all right. And, and that sense of sticking with each other uh, even when we're doing something that we really wish was done or it became much bigger than we thought it was going to be, is is another really key element, I think, of of being a faith group together. That it's okay to name when something is really not what we wanted, but we're here together, and that means that together we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. So when we live in God's way, Peterson says... God brings gifts into our lives like fruit shows up in the orchard. And I'm wondering for each of you how being a part of Helping Hands, because we talked about how you envision helping others, how is being a part of this team a gift to you? What's the fruit that you have received? Well, I think every time I hear something like that, I think of the conversation that we have had in the past, and I've often said the you know, practicing your faith is one thing and living your faith is another. Hmm. And trying to live your faith and, and do do what's right, not only for you, but to help others. Uh, you learn a lot about people 
when you spend some time with them. Uh, one of the classic chores that we had at Camp Sequinote at one time was we were putting doors on the exteriors of cabins. Hmm. And when we got to the back door to put the, the framing in for the door to be mounted, uh, I discovered that the, the wood frame inside the building, although the building exterior and the interior was finished new, the structural framing inside the building was rotted from insect and water damage. Hmm. So how do you replace the inside framing of a wall that's already been finished up on the inside <laughs> and the outside? It's kind of like you, you see something that looks pretty on the outside, but until you find out what's on the inside, you don't really know what's going on. Right. So it gives you a chance to find out the inside workings of people. And they, they come to realization as a group and they're freer to express themselves and to show their vulnerabilities and gain strength from that from the group because mm -hmm. we're not there to criticize each other on our abilities we're there to pick each other up and help get things done so one it's nothing ever is what it appears to be from the outside <laughs> and two you get a chance to see how you know this kind of effort impacts other people's confidence and their and their willingness to help others and that's what it comes down to they are actually helping other people but they're also gaining a lot from that experience individually so it, it's very interesting to watch that dynamic unfold and so what i'm hearing behind don what you've just shared is one of the gifts is gaining insight into what makes other people tick so that when we're back here at Grace and we're not out in the woods somewhere, that we now know more about each other. We have a better understanding of how we're kindred spirits. So that when we're back here at the church and we're doing some other thing that's not a helping hands trip, that we can take that knowledge and it helps us interact more authentically because our relationship is deeper. We know more about each other. Um, and I think that enriches our interactions together and enriches our life together, not just as the Helping Hands team, but then how we filter back into the larger grace community. Well, we're not so fast to judge. That's we're right. not so fast to categorize and say, oh, well, they did this because they're like this. Well, there may be a whole lot more going on than we really know. So if you take some time and do a little digging, you might find out that there are other motivating factors behind what's happening. And some of those things can be taken care of so that the end result that you're looking at isn't so frustrating for others or yourself. So, Or maybe you say, wow, I just realized this person is dealing with this. And you know what? I've had to deal with that too. And I know how I felt. And I know what I had to, to labor through. So, okay, this helps me know more and I can relate it to my own experience and say, I've been there too. And if nothing else, it's internal awareness, you know? And even on those moments when we are quick to judge, I just preached this past week about, you know, understanding why someone's driving slowly and that I make that commitment to not honk or complain. It doesn't mean that that loop doesn't start in my head. It just means that I don't act on it. I let it 
be reminded, I let myself be reminded, wait a minute, remember what you know, you know more. And to piggyback off of that, uh, being the youngest member of the Helping Hands team, and by a lot, <laughs> by a lot. Uh, pretty much everyone falls into the category somewhere between my parents' age and my grandparents' age. Uh, definitely <laughs> listening to the conversations that the older generations are having with each other and listening to their life experiences, what I may go through in the next 15 to 30 years of my life as I w- work at different jobs or, you know, expand upon my faith journey, what these people have already experienced in their lives, I am going to experience that exact same thing. So listening to those stories that they talk about their kids, their grandkids, their families, what they've, where they've traveled, what they do on a daily basis, uh, that is amazing to me because I just sit there and listen. Again, I don't participate very much in these conversations, but learning everything I can about these people just by what they say is absolutely amazing for me. Wow. I will say that as you get older, there are two hair options. (laughs) And Don has a perfectly rounded head, which is why Don is able to show that even when he has his hair very, 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 very short, uh, he, he has the head meant for us to see that. Um, the alternative is that your hair looks like mine, which during the pandemic everyone got to see is really very gray. <laughs> because I decided to just say, you know, this is the hair that God gave me at this point in my life. But um, I hope that with uh, our gray hairs and our glasses, uh, that comes a little bit of wisdom. So I'm glad to hear that at least once in a while we, we say something that's worth holding on to. There used to be... Um, you know, there's posters that are motivational posters and they'll say like hope and it'll have a picture of a sunrise. It'll say something. There was a company that came out with demotivational posters that were supposed to be sort of like a joke. And there's a picture of the Titanic and it says, example, if you can't be a witness, at least be an example to others. (laughs) (laughs) And both are completely possible. But, uh, I, I think as well, um, in the, in the opposite direction, um, that we gain a lot of a reminder of hope, flexibility, and creativity that people who are younger maybe feel more free to express than as we get older. Sometimes we maybe don't. Um, my ultimate goal and hope is that someday we no longer use the word generation because it divides us into buckets in ways that are not always helpful. And I am a little embarrassed that I am old enough to be your mother. (laughs) So we would be uh, remiss if we didn't talk about part of the fun of Helping Hands Adventures being grounded in food and fellowship. And can you say a little bit about the downtime on the trips and the role it plays for the group for the week? Sure. So the the downtime that we have, whether it's in the morning before breakfast or when everyone comes back for uh, lunch or around dinner time, uh, we have th- an amazing cook in Ken who comes with us uh, each trip and provides us with 
uh, nourishment throughout the week to go out and work for six to eight hours per day. And the, the downtime that we have, whether it's sitting and playing trivia in the evening or just talking around the table, uh, the downtime is really uh, rejuvenating for the people who are there. They've, again, been out working, whether it's in the rain or in the sun, uh, doing strenuous tasks. So that downtime allows them to, again, not only nourish their bodies, but again, get to know everyone throughout the group, get to talk, have fun, have a conversation with someone who maybe you haven't met or you don't know really well. So that downtime, again, whether someone is taking a little cat nap on the couch because they need that or whether they're, they're having a conversation, it's really rejuvenating for the entire group that downtime that we get around our meals and in the evening. And we get to laugh. Yes. But trivia, trivia is a big, big part. And king of trivia, I would be uh, missing a huge opportunity if we didn't talk a little bit about what the trivia contest is about. Because if you don't go on the trip right now, you're saying, well, this is great you're talking about that, but I don't have any idea what you're talking about. Well, trivia started when we went to New Jersey because uh, in the evenings after dinner, a lot of folks didn't know what to do with their time. There was the place that we stayed at used to be an old army communications camp and they had a ping pong table and some books. Uh, outside of that, there wasn't really a whole lot to do. Uh, and the rooms were separated so nobody saw each other unless they were in the, the common area where the ping pong table was. So an alternative was to come up with something to be more inclusive and entertaining. And most everybody was into trivia and liked to watch Jeopardy, which we all missed from not having television. <laughs> and so the, the subsequent year, I was asked to put together a trivia game similar to Jeopardy. And that began the whole process. So every trip, the not only did they want one game of 25 or 50 questions, but they wanted two games to do that. So I ended up doing and researching enough questions to do two full games in various categories. Uh, in the beginning, it was very easy because we had, I would say, ages ranged from the 40s to the 70s. But now that young Allison is with us, uh, we've incorporated some more recent trivia and then, of course, when we go down uh, to Sequinota, uh, Pastor Powell and his daughter like to come. So mm -hmm. uh, we include some children's trivia for her. And so uh, she enjoyed it. So she took my trivia questions on the bus to go to school with and asked the kids the questions, so, <laughs> which was fun. Uh, but she's got the bug now, so she likes to come down for trivia night. So uh, it's become more comical uh, since I don't get to play the game I, I host it and ask the questions and it's usually it started out as work teams uh, which was mixed guys and gals well now it's kind of gone to the guys against the gals uh, and it's for me it's very comical um, I just get a kick out of the, the thinking processes that are different between the gals and the guys and a lot of times, I would say most of the time, the guys end up arguing themselves out of the correct answer. Yep. <laughs> and and that's, that is just so funny. 
when you ask them a multiple choice question and they come up with the right answer and then they talk themselves out of it. So, and then of course they accuse me of setting the board for favoring the ladies, giving them the easy questions, albeit they're all uh, multiple choice and they can pick whatever category and amount they want, but you know, that's their excuse. So it gets pretty competitive and it gets pretty raucous and I also think that's sort of a good way of blowing off steam from the day. You know, if you were doing something that, you know, you did it and you you could say you did it, but it was sort of like, oh, this was really, I had a lot of energy around this with nowhere to go. The trivia contest is a really fun way to sort of, again, bind the group together in a healthy sense of competition, healthy competition. Um, and of course, one of the things I've enjoyed when I've been able to do it is to come and share in communion with you guys because it reminds us what we're grounded in, that we're, we're grounded in Christ, um, that we're fed at the meal of grace at some point in the week. Um, I know if I can't be there, there's usually at least one other pastor on the trip. Dennis Snyder sometimes can fill in in that capacity as well, but it just reminds us another thing that grounds us um, and feeds us. So two final questions, one amusing and one serious. And so I'm going to ask you, Allison, what is your favorite trivia category, if you can remember one? I don't remember any trivia question or trivia categories off the top of my head, but any, again, being the youngest person on the trip, <laughs> anything that is more recent, I typically have a better shot at getting correct. Uh, when you start getting into... Uh, anything that happened pre-1985, roughly, I don't have a really good shot at it. When you get into older music, older movies, I am absolutely hopeless. So uh, anything that's more recent, I have a much better shot at getting correct. Don, what about you? I prefer, since I am a history buff, I, I like to do twists on the history category mm -hmm. uh, to, one, see about how far back some of these folks can accurately answer the question, but also to dispel old myths about historical mm -hmm. facts and things that were perceived to be true when, in fact, they weren't. Yes. So... That's the fun one, because I think most anybody, even Allison in some form, has had some history and can say, oh, yeah, that's I remember the Boston Tea Party mm -hmm. or something like that. But, yeah, that one's pretty fun to watch how the uh, the elder statesmen of our group tend to argue points about history. <laughs> so, uh, Healthy that's arguments. Fun. Yeah. So, last question. How can we, those of us listening... Um, and those of us at Grace, how can we support the Helping Hands team? What do we need to do? Obviously, you have our prayers, but how can we support you? If anyone is interested in joining Helping Hands, we can always use new team members. Again, you don't need any uh, prior skills with uh, running a circle saw or a table saw or running a chainsaw or backhoe. Uh, again, we are always willing to teach people how to do that. Uh, but again, if you can come out and paint or come out and uh, pick up sticks along a path, I mean, there's pretty much any type of work uh, at Camp Sequinota 
for any ability at this point. So if anyone is willing to come out and uh, help out, whether it's for a day, a couple days, the entire week, uh, we can always use new team members. Uh, again, it's a, a great time uh, that we have down at Sequinota. So uh, again, even if you can only come for a, a day, we can always use an extra set of hands. Yeah, yeah. And as someone who never really makes it for the whole week, you know, I can attest to the fact that you can show up for part of the time You'll be embraced by the group for the time that you're there. There is no shortage of tasks and things to do and uh, no shortage of opportunity to feel that, you know, I didn't have as much time as I might have liked to to have done something really that benefits the work of the church, the mission of the church at Camp Sequinota, but I was able to do what I could do. And I feel like that that's sort of the, the mantra, if you will, of, of Helping Hands is that everybody shows up to do what they can do. Well. I want to thank you guys for being with us today. And I'm going to offer a little closing prayer uh, as we end our time together. So let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you for the gift of your creation and the beauty that surrounds us. We thank you for the gifts of your spirit that fill us and empower us to do the work in the world that you have created each one of us to do, each in our own way. We thank you for the gift of your son, whose life, death, and resurrection ground us and center us in your love and in your mission for the world that everyone should know life abundant. We give thanks for the Helping Hands team for their compassion, for their sense of commitment and dedication to stick with things because at the end of the day, the work that they do when they gather together is work that's furthering the work of the kingdom and the good news especially when they go to Camp Sequinota. There are kids for whom that camp experience may be the highlight of a year. We never really know how lives are being touched, but we know and believe that they are. And so we thank you for the Helping Hands team and for their commitment to reach out far beyond themselves, to touch lives of people that they may never even meet, but the work of your spirit will. And so we thank you for this time together, and we pray for your continued blessings upon them in their work here at Grace, and wherever they go. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, friends, stay tuned for Sunday. You can join us for in-person worship in the morning at 8, 9, and 10.30 in the morning in our sanctuary. Or you can join us in the evening at 6 p.m. Our Sunday evening service in the summer is meeting in the courtyard outside at Grace, which is located on the Beaver Street side of our campus. The best way to enter is to come in off of the Beaver Street side of our parking lot and enter the Miller Center doors that are marked with the bright yellow sign. In the event of rain, we will be in the Miller Center. And our evening worship right now is a dinner church style of worship called The Table, where we gather for meal, prayer, fellowship, a brief reflection, communion together, along with music from Psalm 151, our contemporary worship team. If you can't join us in person, you can listen on the radio on WRSC to our 1030 in the morning service, or join our live stream where you can watch and hear worship each Sunday morning. You can watch it at 1030 live, or you can watch it later at your convenience. Just go to our website, glcpa.org, and when the homepage says click here to watch worship, click there and you'll be taken to the service either live or later. We also have a Facebook page and YouTube channel that offer not only updated information about our congregation, but videos not only of worship, but many of our grace musicians. 
And if you're looking for faith formation resources, check out glcfaithformation.org for resources to grow your faith, no matter whether you are young or young at heart. And friends, however we gather, we ask two things. One is that you continue to pray for the Shul family while they are on their sabbatical, and that you remember that we are together, whether we are in person or in spirit, following Jesus, empowered by the Spirit. Take care, friends.